From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Well, summer's certainly over, isn't it? God, what a rainstorm on the way into the studio this evening. Yes, we're live. The cricket season is still going ahead, though. Hello and welcome to From the Pavilion, the local cricket show where we ran up all of the action from around the county in Cambridgeshire. Yes, we are live. Amazing on today's show for the first time in... Well, first time this season, I think, in fact. And on today's show, Callum Guest and I are joined by Triplo Ladies skipper Lara Neal to discuss their season, the inaugural Women's East Anglian Premier League and the state of the ladies' game in Cambridgeshire. We'll also round up all of the final fixtures from the Reed Brothers East Anglian Premier League, including a playoff final defeat for Sawson and Babraham on Sunday. Laura will also be taking on Callum in the latest Beat the Guest quiz. Cancer Cricket Matters magazine editor Annie Chave will be joining us to review the opening day of the Bob Willis Trophy final at Lords. And Laura will be asking her big question too. Now, I haven't done this for a while. If you want to get in touch, you can do 07919 That's the number to text. Studio at cambridge105.co.uk is the email address. Or you can find us on social media too, at FTPCricket105 on Twitter and Facebook. Or more generally, for our sports pages, at 105Sport, the place to find us. So thank you very much for tuning in for this hour. My name is Ollie Slack. Great to be back, great to be live on Cambridge 105 Radio with cricket at last and what, with two shows left <laughs> before the, the end of the season, before cricket moves over and uh, and our new sports show comes into play on Wednesday. But we've got two shows left. I'm delighted to say Callum Guest, my co-host, is with me, not in the studio because of COVID restrictions. We can't have him beside me. Um, he's probably quite happy about that. He can stay at home and be on the show, hopefully. Technology allowing. Callum, thanks for coming on the show. Good evening, mate. You right? Yes, very well, Frankie. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. You've got the, the nice gig of, of not having to leave your house to be on the show, which... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I, guess, I guess isn't bad. I mean, I obviously travelled in here. It's very nice. I'm very, very glad to be back in the studio, but equally, if you wanted to, you could just hop out of bed, put your laptop on, and away you go. There is that. Unfortunately, I'm looking out of a window and it's absolutely smashing it down at the moment. So that's uh, probably the downside to it. But yeah, you're right. Got <laughs> the easier gig. Yeah, well, it's still great to have you on. Um, and yes, you are right. The rain has been horrendous on my way in. It was absolutely pouring down. And I was thinking how appropriate for our first cricket show on air live this season. And it's absolutely teeming down. Well, the cricket season is still sort of going ahead. Um, not locally, we'll come to that in just a bit, but of course the Bob Willis Trophy final, I guess the the, uh, the showpiece event of the season, of course you've got the T20 blast to come still. There's still a few county games going ahead and of course England women are playing West Indies at the moment as well. But let's start with the local game. Callum, let's chat about the weekend. How was it? Of course you were involved for, for Sawson and Babraham in the Rebrother East Anglian Premier League playoff final against Swordston. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a fantastic weekend uh, for the club. But also, I think the weather was also almost for that showpiece event at the end of the season. That showcase event, it was uh, fantastic to get a good, you know, set of two days for it as well. Um, just to finish off the season of obviously what's been a bit of an interrupted season due to COVID. Um, yeah, it was just fantastic to get two full games of cricket in, and, and yeah, be a part of it really. Yeah, let's just round up the fixtures and the matches from the weekend's play in the Rebrothers East Anglian Premier League. Wins in the North Group, of course, sorry, they played Saturday, uh, the final group matches, and then the playoff final, the winners of the North and the South Group took on each other, which was Swartzen and Sawson and Babraham on Sunday. So just to wrap up Saturday's fixtures, uh, well, there are wins in the North Group for Cambridge, Horsford and Swartzen. 
Uh, Cambridge got a, a good victory in the local derby against Burl Exeting by 175 runs. Horsford defeated Great Wichingham by five wickets and Swarton doing the job on Mildenhall by 89 runs. That confirmed their place top spot. They scored 409 in 50 overs. Incredible. Incredible end to the season for Swarston. With regards to the South group, there were wins for Sawston and Abraham, Bury St Edmunds and Saffron Walden on Saturday. Saffron Walden beating Copdock and Old Itswitchum by 10 runs. Bury St Edmunds doing the job on Frinton by 49 runs. And yourselves come Sawston and Abraham beating Sudbury in what was in essence a, a playoff semi-final to get to the playoff final against Sudbury winning by six wickets uh, let's take them in chronological order then start with Saturday's matches and for yourself uh, against Sudbury it was like I said a pretty much winner takes all to get into the final of the, the Premier League playoff final uh, Sudbury batted first posted 179 so chasing 180 to get to the final you'd imagine pressure would be on but nerves are still chased it with six wickets left it, it seemed a pretty comfortable win in the end yeah, it was a comfortable win in the end. Um, I think they wanted to kind of test our mettle a little bit by... Uh, there was a there was a stage when they were probably aiming towards 220, 230. Um, but because of the bonus point system, and obviously us needing only seven points, they didn't want to give us the full amount of wickets. Um, so I think they wanted to pull, you know, take the foot off the gas a little bit, make sure we can't win on the bonus point system and basically test our mettle in a, in a run chase. So... They, they decided to pull the pin a little bit and settle for a 180 target, which was fine. And then, like you said, we got off to a fantastic start, which always helps in a run chase. I feel like if you don't lose too many wickets in that first 10 overs and get off to a good start, it makes a massive difference. Um, and then, it, like you said, in the end, it was quite a comfortable chase. And yourself and Tim put on a 71-run partnership in that chase. Explain the sort of conversations you were having in the middle. I mean, you were on 25 not out when Tim came in. So were you sort of discussing what roles, who takes the, I guess, the initiative and who sort of makes sure they're there to the end? Yeah, I suppose in a, in a run chase when you've got a, you got a side that obviously we were, we were up with the rate, like I said, so it made, made it much easier for the middle order to come in and potentially, you know, eye up bowlers that are bowling well and maybe just settle for maybe taking them three and over, three and a half and over and then target other bowlers so we could kind of dictate it that way. Um and then I think the last, the final four overs, we scored 40 runs. So it just shows that when you get to that run chase and obviously a side's desperate to take wickets, obviously they've got, to, they've got to almost make the play and bring in fielders and stuff like that. And that gives you more opportunities of batting side chasing to uh, yeah, to pick the runs off, basically. So it just shows in a run chase, keeping you know a calm head and just knowing that once you're up with that rate, um, it's yours to lose, really. The only way they were going to win after about 10 overs was by bowling us out. Um, so it's basically not giving their best bowlers wickets and making sure their, you know, their weaker bowlers had to, you know, come in and do a job as well. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all, it's all it's all mind games, isn't it? It's all mental. Mm -hmm. but, um, they're probably slightly overthinking it, but that's just the way we approached it, and it, it seemed to work Saturday. Yes, certainly worked. You beat Sudbury on the Saturday, securing your place in the player final, winning the South Group. Swarson, as I said, did the job of Mildenhall. They won the North Group. It was Swarson versus Swarson and Babraham in the player final on Sunday. Given everyone knows how such a good side Swarson are, is it one of those where you feel like you're a bit behind the eight ball before you even start? Almost like the sort of football analogy when you line up in the tunnel and you can see sort of Shaffy, Iniesta, Busquets, Messi, etc.? <laughs> It was a, it was a little bit like that. We almost well when we arrived at the ground, we got told that Joe Gatton had got on a flight to Australia 
on the Saturday night. So he'd just come off 120 or off 80 balls the day before <laughs> at the same ground because obviously we played at Mildenhall. So uh, that was a bit of a booster for us actually. We're thinking that oh, we're one. They're one player short, but I think for us, we went into the game believing that if we played to our full capacity, we we would have to play to our full capacity to get a positive result. Um, there wasn't one person in our team that didn't think we could beat them if we played, you know, 80 to 100 percent of our potential we just didn't perform on the day and that that you know you have to against these kind of sides and they they cruised the victory probably similar to what we'd done the day before they absolutely cruised it um i think if we're looking from a positive side for our side we can say oh they chased it down in 42 and a half overs but yeah realistically if we're being honest with ourselves they probably didn't get out of second or third gear it was <laughs> a it was a pretty comfortable chase in the end so credit to them obviously in the final they're used to that um but it's a great learning curve for us as a side Obviously, we could, we were under par. We felt in a good few games during the season, and you know, at the end of the day, that comes back and bites you, bites you at the end of the season in, in them, you know, crunch games. Yeah, just to clarify the scorecard, uh, Sawson Abraham won the toss and batted first, 162 all out. So pretty much from the the first things, not enough runs on the board. Torsten, as Callum said, chased it down with relative ease, losing only the two wickets in 42.3 overs. Overall, then Callum, just lastly on the season won the South group, I think you would have, well, you would have, of course, absolutely taken that if I'd have said that in March, April, May time. Exactly that. Um, and I think the last couple of games, like I said to you last week about the Frinton game, I feel like, you know, these teams that they play against us in these last few weeks, they had strengthened considerably. Um, so we we had won that, you know, that group on merit. Um, so that no, it's a fantastic season for the boys and I think yeah, buzzing to get going again. I, I think it's one of those. It feels a bit, <laughs> almost feels too short and feels like it should have yeah. gone, especially after the weather. But then you look outside tonight and you just feel like, yeah, it's probably the right <laughs> time to call it. There. Yeah, it does feel like the the end of the season is is pretty pretty soon on the horizon, and it will be. Although it looks like we are going to be getting county cricket, as I said, into October. Uh, let's round up the rest of our East Anglian Premier League sides then, our local sides, and start with Burwell and Exeting. It was certainly a season to forget for the, their club as they lost uh, nine of their ten North Group games. They really, really did struggle, um, the North Group side. The most recent of those are 175 defeats at Cambridge on Saturday. So the club failed to pick a win this season. However, Jay Galani insists the club is already working hard to improve for next year. It's been a difficult season for all the lads. Uh, cricket's not the most fun sport to play when you're losing every week. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's been difficult. Um, there's, there's been obviously a lot of down points and not too much to celebrate. So from from what I can hear and what I can see is that the club's working hard already to try turn things around. I think it's, it's pretty evident that we're that we're lacking a few players at the moment. We're lacking some depth. I think I think it starts in the seconds, you know, second team players pushing for first team places. And I think we need to sign, you know, a few players. So I think the club's working very hard, um, and I think that's that's a pretty fair thing to to say because if we look where we were perhaps two years ago when we were finishing pretty solidly mid-table each year, we've maybe only got uh, three, maybe four of that starting eleven. Um, we've lost players to injury. Some have moved country. Some have lost interest in cricket. It happens. So yeah, we're in that rebuilding phase, and uh, I know the boys behind the scenes are, are working hard already to try um, put things in place for next year. Uh, I think the earlier that gets done, the better. With youngsters, they kind of develop and, and are ready for Premier League cricket at different ages. You see some youngsters come through at 16 who are 
who are match ready and some who perhaps need to drop down to a lower level of cricket, learn how to score runs, learn how to take wickets so that they can come do it at, at the Premier League level. Uh, so I think that's a discussion to be had individually. I think if we can have some players who are you know, playing twos cricket and are fighting for, for first team spots, that creates the competition in the club, which we need to become a competitive side. Well, in contrast, it was a pretty good campaign for Burlington's rivals, Cambridge, who finished fourth in the North Group, but with impressive sculpts away to eventual winner Swarston, one of their five wins, all without playing a single match at home as well, because uh, Cambridge didn't have a, a home ground this season. So let's hear from Johnny Atkinson, who is very grateful just for the fact that he's played cricket at all this summer. But first, he gives his take on the win over Burlington in the derby on the weekend, where he scored 74 himself. Really nice, really good win. Uh, we, we mixed the batting order around a bit and uh, the bowlers around, so everyone had a game and had a bit of fun. And, yeah, nice to beat them, obviously. Um, slightly weaker this year, and I think they're already looking to improve for next year. So, hopefully, for the standard of cricket um, in the league and for them, they, they managed to improve. But, yeah, it was a nice bit of fun and nice to score a few runs as well. The fact that we managed to get some on a half-season was brilliant. I think it was overall quite a successful season. We've... we've we had our problems as a club not having at home ground so considering we played all of our games away so I think we only lost three games um, was was quite impressive um, and yeah I think there's loads of highlights of the season beating Swordston as well yeah, there's chasing down 314 uh, was good we had some other really good victories uh, first game of the season against Horsford and, and some personal milestones I thought some lads did really well this, this year so yeah I think it was just nice to be around lads socialising playing cricket and enjoying it I think that um, that that really sort of got lifted our spirits and, and allowed lots of people to do things that we didn't think were possible a few months ago Yeah Johnny Johnny sounding like he's <laughs> doing that interview on top of Ben Nevis or something he was at school though clearly took the kids on a school trip anyway more on Cambridge's ground and the issues there in just a minute but finally Saffron Walden managed to cap their season off with a victory over Copdock and Old Itswitchian on Saturday a season which many thought would not be possible at the start of the summer but what about next season eh? well all round Alex Sears is keeping his fingers crossed I'm really glad one we're all glad to have played some cricket and I think um, we've been competitive in lots of the games I think we're a very young side so it was a good season to blood some young players and I think it's a really good season for them to get used to opening the batting against a Premier League attack uh, fielding 50 overs against teams when they're batting well trying to break partnerships against good you know good players um, it was a really good season for that and I think having that experience we've played a lot of Premier League cricket alongside those uh, that youth which is what we sort of had in the first four or five games of the year uh, really helped as you get up towards Christmas, that when that's when people start getting um, thinking of signing players. Some captains think of signing players all year round, um, depending on how keen they are. Uh, and and then yeah, well, it depends how next year is going to go. I guess we proved cricket has proved that it can be done safely. I don't think there's been many cases because of cricket, uh, which is good. Uh, there hasn't been many cases or games called off because of it. And if there has, they've been turned around and played three weeks later or something really well and I think that was really good so I think we've shown that we can do it um, so I think hopefully next season um, we don't none of us know where we're going to be in a month with COVID at the moment so we'll see uh, but hopefully we'll be playing next year and, and then yeah uh, training if it goes ahead we'll go on as normal probably from February January time and we'll see 
I wonder who Alex says he's talking about when he means captain and likes getting, captains like getting their business done all year round. Who knows, eh? Who's trying to get the players done over the line before even Christmas is here? Anyway, let's get more on the ground situation at Cambridge. They were not allowed to use Clare College, uh, where Cambridge United still train, uh, but this was forced the cricket club to play all their matches away from home this campaign, as Johnny just said, so they didn't play a home match this season. Uh, for next season, they have managed to secure the facility of Caldercott Cricket Club. Let's hear what Johnny had to say about it. Unfortunately, Clare College um, aren't allowing club cricket. I don't think any of the college grounds are um, allowing club cricket there. Um, in the, the near future so we've actually agreed to play for the next season at Caldicott um, they have folded uh, last year with uh, Hardwick and Caldicott folded so there's a ground that's available there um, it's got lots of potential got a nice pavilion uh, lots of the Cambridgeshire junior teams play there um, so yeah seeing how it goes next year hopefully make make it our home and um, if it works well for us then yeah, that could be our home for, for the long term future so yeah it's Exciting sort of transition for the club. Yeah, Johnny Atkinson there just confirming the news that they have agreed to use the facility of Caldercott for next season to play Cambridge Cricket Club's home games. Um, if you missed Johnny's first chat, then he was it's quite windy. Yes, he was setting up uh, a tennis PE lesson for his kids at school. That is why he didn't just decide to go outside to have the interview. Anyway, that's pretty much our EAPL roundup done. Then for this season, in fact, of course, the East Anglian Premier League is, is done and dusted. Congratulations to Swarton on winning the Premier League Cup. Unlike, of course, to Swarton and Abraham, but they'll be very delighted with their season's progress. Right up next, we'll be chatting to Lara Neal from Triplo Cricket Club. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Still lots to come in today's show. We'll be chatting to Annie Chave, the editor of the County Cricket Matters magazine, to review the opening day of the Bob Willis Trophy at Laws between Somerset and Essex. We'll also be chatting more about England and the county scene later on. But first, let's continue the chat on local cricket and Triplo. Of course, they have a, a ladies' team and a ladies' team that have done very well indeed in the Women's East Anglian Premier League, or not the official Women's East Anglian Premier League, of course, because it was due to kick off this season, but I think it's been pushed back to next season. I'm sure to clarify all that, we'll bring in the skipper, Lara Neild, and of course, Callum Guest still with us. Lara, Callum, thanks for going, Lara, thanks for going back on the, uh, on the show. I hope you're well. I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. No worries at all. Um, let's talk about the season. It looks like it's been a, a fantastic season for you, only losing once. Uh, a two-wicket loss to, to Woolpit. Um, so despite the fact that um, the East Anglian Premier League made the decision to not run the league this year, I think it's it probably in fairness so they can have a real big impact when they kick it off next year. But all that considered and having a shortened season, you must be really pleased with uh, the fantastic work of the side this year. Yes, very, very pleased with our team this year. Um, unfortunately, as you say, it got cancelled pretty early on, but we played all the fixtures bar two and then two got rained off. So it was good to get a lot of games in. Uh, didn't expect to get a lot in at the start of the summer, but yeah, we've done really, really well this season and very, very proud of the girls. I was going to say, what were your expectations when you, obviously going through May, June, knowing that there was a very unlikely chance that you were going to get a, a full season? And of course, everyone at that time was really unaware. I think obviously Boris Johnson came out, didn't he, and said the cricket ball is a vector of disease and we were all a bit unsure at that point. Did you feel like you'd get much of a season in? I think we we're always optimistic, always hopeful to get some cricket in, as I think most people were who are cricket fans. Um, 
we were very quick on doing the training so as soon as he said that we could train we had training every Sunday for different groups of six going around on the field um, which was really good to have and then as soon as he said matches were available to start we were straight there the first weekend which was really really good um, and great to have so many girls available as well so Excellent, yeah, and of course the East Anglian Premier League for the, the women is, is a new league. It officially now starts next year, but of course you've played the majority of the teams this year, if not all of them. How have you found the, the competition? It's a very, very closely contested league, and it used to be the two counties league, and again it was very, very close. We've got quite a young side, so it's good that we've done so well this year, because normally we come mid-table quite happily. Um I really like being part of the league. I think it tests everybody's cricket. There's not any team that you turn up thinking you'll be convincing. There's not any team you think you'll lose to convincingly either, which is a really great standard of cricket to have for the girls' game in East Anglia. Yes, ex exactly what you want. Are you looking forward to the official launch next year? Yes, very much, very much. It was going to be so exciting to start playing this year, but as you say, it's good to have played all the teams and test out what everyone's got so you know next year. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Is it, it. It's almost like a trial run this year, isn't it? <laughs> Completely. Now we know what everyone's got, what everyone's got to offer. So it's great. And there's some lovely pitches as well to play on. So I'm very excited to get out there next season. Fantastic. Um, let's talk about Triple O itself then. Um, I believe you have a, an under 13s, under 15s girls only sides. There's two senior teams as well, um, which is, is pretty uncommon amongst teams in Cambridgeshire. Of course, Triple O, the only Cambridgeshire side in the East Anglian Premier League. So why have the club got such a strong contingent of female members, Laura? Um, so I started with a couple of friends when I was eight and there was a cohort of girls and we wanted to play cricket. So we've played junior cricket in the boys team for a very long time. And we have a lady who works at the club called Lisa Turner, who's very, very into girls cricket. So between her and a couple of other members of the, the club, they set up the girls team when I was about 14 or 15. Um, and it's just grown from there, really. It's really successful. We've got a really good intake of girls, as you say, starting the second team this year was really, really successful. We had beginners who'd never played before playing by the end of the season with hardball. So it's just really spiralled from there. I think it really helps in the general climate of cricket that girls cricket is becoming this really big thing now for girls. And it's definitely growing and developing, which I'm really, really happy to see. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, and, and and with regards to, um, like I said, it being the only sort of club in the East Premier League side from Cambridgeshire, I think there's a, a couple of others. Like, is it Saffron Walden and Coton as well that have have ladies sides? Um, not many others though. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's a relatively new sport for a lot of people, and it's only just starting to get into schools, which I think really helps with participation, which is why we've seen such a growth in junior cricket size, particularly for girls across the region. Um, I think it's just that it just needs developing. I don't think a lot of girls knew cricket was a sport they could really play. As I say, all of my friends and myself started in the men's teams. So I think it's also quite an intimidating environment to start in if you're the only girl in the team. So hopefully now we'll encourage a lot more girls to play by having these stronger setups that are growing in the region. Yeah, and I guess that's the key, isn't it? Because although I believe they've in some schools they've sort of replaced rounders with cricket or, or at least playing more cricket in school uh, which is fantastic but equally if you don't have the clubs I guess you don't have that strong foundation because you can't really rely on um, on girls playing at school because a, a, a girl or, or, or a female might go to a school that then doesn't play cricket etc and if there's not that strong number of clubs in the area then you know, the number of girls are not getting opportunities to, to play 
the game that they want to. Exactly. The push, I think, definitely has to be to try and get more girls who have an interest in cricket into the club setup. So developing these junior sections so you get girls at a young age learning the sport and then growing to play into leagues. So trying to set up a bit more of a structure of leagues beneath the East Anglian Premier League as well, a bit like they have with the men's cricket, so that there's development leagues as well for people who are learning to play to then go into these higher leagues where you can really harbour all the talent and make Cambridgeshire a very successful county for cricket for girls. I'd say that's probably one of the most important things to have more local leagues. So I found with girls cricket previously is that the travel's been quite a big issue. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's not as many clubs, so obviously you have to travel almost into county to get a game. Um, and sometimes that can put off people. You know, obviously you put you putting your parents out of out of their way potentially. So mm-hmm. I think that's massively important. You get more clubs and more of a structure within the county, so there's not as much travel to start with, and then you kind of you get a base then if you know, people are going to enjoy it. And then, you, like, like Lara said, you can then go on into the East Anglian Premier League. Sometimes it's a quite a big commitment to ask people new new to cricket to go and travel, you know, to the other side of Suffolk, potentially, just to play. Um, and obviously then that then that puts a strain on the captaincy and stuff on, you know, having to make sure everyone gets a game. So it's, it's that kind of fine balance, isn't it? So a structure underneath, you know, that East Anglian Premier League is crucial, I think, to sustain it, really completely because we've got to travel two hours for some of our games to get there and I think for a beginner that's quite a long way to go as I say even mm-hmm. with our second team that's got girls who've just learned how to play they're still having to travel 45 minutes at least to get a game yeah, exactly, yeah. so it's a long way to go for somebody who's not necessarily played a lot or is as committed as some of the girls who play in our team and Callum what's the situation like at Silson and Babraham because obviously I know they're a really strong youth contingent with the, the I think it's the Rams programme um, yeah. at the club how many girls are playing is it generally a, a decent mix is there enough girls to have a girls only side or is it gen- generally you have to perhaps have a, a mixed side yeah I think it's progressing um, there's a lot of siblings that come along which helps that them kind of numbers but obviously the difficulty is obviously with South, Triplo being relatively close to Sawston and you know the South Cams region and obviously they've got the pool of having a good infrastructure already in place. So a lot of the girls will probably go there um, if they do start enjoying the cricket because obviously they can almost play the game. So that's why it's important that there is a league system in place to kind of for other clubs to put them, you know, put their club sides into these these divisions to see if they can get numbers or to get numbers involved. Um, obviously, if people at Triple aren't, you know, mass numbers and aren't giving people you know, they don't have enough teams to give them a game, obviously, then that's where it needs to be. People need to be pulled, pulled, pulled away and kind of put into other clubs, just so, yeah, just so there's more more clubs around, really. Uh, and you just need to make sure everyone gets a game. That's yeah, exactly that. Think, so. And I think for, for yourself, as like a, it's just that competitive element, isn't it? When you go and play in a, you know, you're, you're travelling around to the East Anglian Premier League, you, wanna, you don't want to have as captain the, that, that kind of thing of, almost giving it almost away like a charity where you've got to give everyone a game because you're there to win ultimately you want to make it as competitive as possible because then obviously that also adds to the enjoyment of it yeah i think that's where we thrive with our second team this year because it's meant that all the girls who want to game get a game it's just it's more difficult as you say to try and fit the 28 girls into an 11 a side game they're available every weekend it's a bit difficult exactly yeah 
Yeah, really interesting chat and something we, we, we'll probably touch on at the, the back end of the show as well if, if we have time. Just lastly, Lara, on, on this point, the ECB have set out a 10-point action plan to transform women and girls' cricket, the first three points of which are all participation-based. It's around schools, clubs and, and making sort of young girls say, you know, cricket is the game for me. Um, are you pretty confident that the ECB can, can deliver this and that they're right behind it? Of course, difficult times ahead with, with COVID and the fi- finances side of things as well. I think they've definitely set out a plan and a commitment to doing it. And you can see with the new Sunrises set up as part of the Hey Ho Flint trophy that yep. there's definitely an impetus by the ECB to try and expand regional girls' cricket to give girls the opportunity to play high-level cricket from wherever they come from across the country. So I think that's really successful. I think their their plan is definitely setting a pathway of intent. If Even if it doesn't succeed, it's definitely in the right uh, process that right away yeah well, hopefully it is exactly on and, and the right tracks um towards increasing the numbers of women and girls and getting involved in cricket and um and of course congratulations once again on a brilliant season lower for triple and all the best Thank next you. year when uh, the official east anglian premier league women's league kicks off uh, let's have a bit of fun now then and uh, <laughs> and as callum will know and as our listeners will know uh, every week we get our guests to go against mr guest callum himself to try and pip him and add a quiz and, and generally comes pretty good Lara um, but I have every faith in you uh, so let me explain the rules of, <laughs> of this week's quiz uh, this week you have a, a list to name and this week's list is the top 20 run scorers in England women's T20 cricket of all time this of course on the back of England's victory over West Indies uh, the other day you'll take it in turns to give me an answer almost like a, a penalty shootout style uh, if the person going first gives a wrong answer the person going second will still have to provide a right answer um, but of course if you give a wrong answer then that is automatically you're out and the other person is the winner does, does that make sense guys yes good good um Lara, would you like to go first or second 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 please. okay all right okay so callum we're looking for england women's t20 cricket all-time run scorers please whenever you're ready okay sarah taylor charlotte edwards sarah taylor is on the list callum well done over to you, over to you, Lara. Charlotte Edwards. Yep, Charlotte Edwards is also on the list. Well done. Back over to yourself, Callum. Tammy Beaumont. Tammy Beaumont. She is also on the list, fifth on the list. So it's a, another correct answer. Back over to you, Lara. Heather Knight. Heather Knight is also there. Yep, she's seventh on the list. Rattling through these. Uh, Nat, Nat Siver. Yeah, Nat Siver's there. She is uh, fourth on the list with 1,432 international T20 runs for England. Lizzie Greenway. She's there as well, sixth on the list. We're going well, just one to name now in the, in the top seven. Lydia Greenway's there, 1,192 runs to her name. Danny Wyatt. Yeah, we've completed the top seven now, rattling through these. She is their third on the list with 1,605 runs. Um, Back over to you now. <laughs> so it gets hard, isn't it? <laughs> got to properly think. Um, you got time, don't worry. <laughs> the ads go out at 22, so you've got a few minutes. <laughs> OK. Can um, I think of, like, the, the original... Um, so we've named the top seven so far. Thirteen more on the list. Uh, 
Amy Jones, maybe? Yeah, she's on there. 692 runs to her name. That's a correct answer. Ninth on the list. Callum, back over to you. Winfield. You're on with Lauren Winfield. She is there. Yeah, 12th on the list. 552 runs to her name. Brian Wilson. Yeah, we're moving slightly further down the list, but she's there 15th on the list with 304 T20 runs for England. To her name. Big trouble this. Rover. I'm going to go Catherine Brunt. Catherine Brunt. Played, played a lot of games. A, a lot of games she has. She's played 83 games from 2005 Surely. to 2020. Is she on the list, though? I don't know if this is a term, but she's got a quadruple Nelson, 444. She is on the list in 13th, Callum. Well done. So that's another correct answer for you. Back over to Lara. Um... I think we've got about 10 more to name, if my maths is correct. <laughs> that's shocking now. Rattling the brain. It's just sort of trying to work out how far back you go. Is Do you go with a cumulative number of games and just bank on the fact they hopefully scored enough runs to get into the top 20? That's the difficulty, isn't it? Um, I go a leaf out of your book, Callum, and get Anya Shrubsoul. <laughs> Anya Shrubsoul. She bats high enough. She's played a, a long while. She has played a long while. Has she got enough runs, though? Well, I can tell you... It just snuck in there, 19th on the list, with 104 runs. I have to get another one away. Back over to you, Callum. Mm. I'm going to go similar. Uh, Jenny Gunn. Jenny Gunn. Is she on the list? Yeah, she played for 14 years from 2004 to 18. She's also on the list with 682. So a number of runs to her name. Uh, I might have to unleash my tie-break question at this rate. <laughs> Just, I haven't got too many to go, so I'm not <laughs> sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm racking my brain. Absolutely scraping the barrel here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's the pressure going second, Lara. A wrong answer here, unfortunately. Lose it. Yeah. <clears throat> that is not a clock. <laughs> um. Yeah, seven more to name. Laura Marsh. Yeah, we've completed the top ten with 755 runs. She's there. I had to know that was my last one. Ah. <laughs> no, 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 hang on, no, we get one there. Um, <laughs> going to go way back here and say Go on. Claire Taylor. You're going with Claire Taylor. I think she made a debut in the early 2000s. Way back. Yeah, she's there. 615 runs 11th on the list. 2004, she started her England career. <laughs> Come on, Lara. <laughs> Danny Hazel. Danny Hazel. Is she there? Yep, she is 17th on the list. You are correct. Again, back over to Callum. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> now we're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's think about it. One, two, three, four left to name. Four left to name. I'm going to have to push you. We're running out of time. 
Um, let's think. Uh, oh, never been Ishiguro. 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 Is she on the list? Not a chance. She's not. <laughs> a chance, Lara. A chance. You name a correct one here. We can wrap this up. If you don't, I'll go to my tiebreak question. <laughs> uh, I can't think, like, Ebony Rain for Brent, maybe. Is that Ebony Rain for Brent? Yeah. I can tell you. She is... <coughs> not on the list, Eve. Oh, that's... Unfortunately, two incorrect answers, one for you, Callum, one for Lara Means. We head to the tie-break question. I'll complete the list quickly. In 14th was Aaron Brindle, 16th, Beth Morgan, 18th, Susie Rowe, and 20th was Holly Colvin. So the tie-break question is, can you tell me... It's quite clear that I didn't give this when I revealed the answer. Charlotte Edwards has scored the most runs for England T20 internationals. Can you tell me, tell me how many closest wins? Callum, we'll start with you. Hmm. Uh, I would say uh, 1,600 runs. 1,600. Lara, where are you going? Mm, 1,900. 1,900. So anything under 1,600, Callum grabs it. Anything over 1,900, Lara does. Anything in between, and I've got to get my calculator out. <laughs> But I won't need to, because Charlotte Edwards scored 2,605 international T20 Lying. runs, which means <laughs> that Lara has beaten the guest. Congratulations, Lara. Thank you. Callum? Win. Callum? What a win. That was a, a hard... I don't, mind I don't mind losing a game like that. That was good. That was a, a very hard-fought contest. Congratulations, Lara. We'll quickly go to the advert breaks, and then up next uh, we'll hear from Annie Che, the editor of the County Cricket Matters magazine. From the Pavilion, on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're welcome back to Cambridge 105 Radio and from the Pavilion, the dedicated local cricket show. And uh, yeah, we've got a couple of shows left before uh, the 105 Sports Special comes in on a Wednesday evening. And it's appropriately raining for the last few cricket shows of the summer. Uh, let's move on and talk county cricket now as it's the showpiece final event at Lords, the Bob Willis Trophy between Somerset and Essex. And who better to get to talk about it than the County Cricket Matters magazine editor, Annie Chave. Annie, thanks very much for coming on the show. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. How are you? You good? Yeah, yeah. Uh, shame about the weather today. I eh? know, I know. It's been pretty poor. <laughs> and it's been pretty poor at Lords as well. It was a rain affected day. Let me just run through the scorecard. Somerset uh, were put in by Essex who won the toss and they only managed 44 overs uh, going to 119 for four at the close of play. There's been a, a number of stoppages. Really tricky job for batsmen today you feel coming off and on the pitch. Um, Eddie Byram's there on 51 not out. Partner with Steve Davies with 13 not out. Who's had the better day, Annie? <laughs> um, well, I, well, let's face it, Essex had the better day winning the toss, really, didn't they? So yeah. um, I'd go with that. I mean, really, really hard to go in at 10.30 on a dewy pitch and, you know, just um, and to start batting on that. It was uh, under 
sort of cloudy conditions. It wasn't wasn't great um, losing the toss. Let's let's face it. No, it certainly wasn't. Somerset 119 <laughs> for four. Although they will be pleased, Eddie Barham. They've got a man set at the crease when they return tomorrow morning. 51 not out. Did you watch the, the match? I know it's broadcast on, on YouTube and I think uh, the BBC, on Sky Sports Creek YouTube and the BBC as well. Did you manage to catch much of Eddie's 50? I watched the beginning bit, but then I had to go out, unfortunately. But yeah, no, he, he's looking classy. I mean, he's a great player, isn't he? Really good to see him. I hope he gets on and gets a century. It would be great to have that. Yeah, it's been an interesting season for Eddie. Of course, he was in the uh, mm-hmm. open the batting to start with and uh, struggled a little bit and uh, and then moved <laughs> down the order to, to five, of course, was in and out the T20 side as well. So nice to see him getting some runs uh, as the season comes to a close. Um, Somerset and Essex, Andy, they, they, they competed in the county championship, the final match of the county championship last season in that, that, sure that, that, that game at Taunton. Of course, we remember it very well. A rain-affected <laughs> one. Essex, Essex triumphed and, and won the championship. Are they the two strongest county sides at the moment? In all formats, really. Of course, Essex winning the T20 Blast last year, Somerset winning the Royal London One Day Cup last year. They just seem to be, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, I mean, they they really are both class sides and that that comes right down to the the academy level and bringing up, bringing through these um, great young players. I mean, we both, both sides have got real class um, youth um, so it's it's fantastic to see, and yeah, I, I would say they are the strongest teams in in the championship at the moment. Um, I think Yorkshire are unlucky to uh, not get through, um, you know, the way the Bob Willis Trophy was set. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think um, I'm not I'm not at all surprised to see Essex <laughs> and Somerset in the final. Put it like that. No, Somerset fans, i.e. myself and you, will have uh, horrible nightmares about last season. Hopefully there's a bit of revenge this time oh, round. Yeah. Um, let's talk mm. about both bowling attacks, though, because they really are something special. For Essex, uh, Jamie Porter, Sam Cook, Aaron Beard and uh, Simon Harmer. For Somerset, of course, you've got Craig mm. Overton, Josh Davey, Lewis Gregory and Jack Brooks. You had Jamie Overton to that who was playing before he moved to Surrey. I mean, again, we spoke about them being two of the best sides in the, the, in the country. Those bowling attacks mm. are... Well, I wouldn't want to bat against them, put it that way. No, no, I mean, the, the thing that Essex and Somerset have both done, it has generally bowled out sides, bowled out teams, and, and that has has been this season. I mean, we, we've got, um, obviously, uh, Craig Overton has been brilliant for us, and, and Davies Gray, and, um, you know, we, we haven't had, um, had to rely on uh, spin bowling in, in the same way. And uh, equally, I mean, Porter looks, really class and uh, um, it's uh, Cook did well this morning so I think um, you know I think Essex have some great bowling it's it's what what's going to be the difference is um, if uh, Essex can uh, stop um, Somerset's lower order scoring runs really that's what's been um, really good for Somerset this season I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure any side has picked up a batting bonus point against Somerset this year. Maybe Worcestershire in the last game, other than that. I mean, that's a fantastic record to not concede more than 200 runs in the opening innings. Um, yeah, what oh, we're, what... I know, I wish we did it every season. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. Uh, what, go on then, Annie, what, what do you think will decide this final? Who? What are the, sort of the crucial well, matchups? It's it's definitely going to be one good innings, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, whether it's going to be Byram staying in there and getting a good score, or if Cook comes in for Essex. And um, but again, like I was saying, like it, we have also had this. Um, Somerset have had this real um, strength in the tail 
Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's one good innings. Um, I'm I'm just hoping that's uh, going to be a Somerset thing, and because it, it notoriously um, uh, Lords is better to bat on in the second and third day, isn't it? So um, mm. uh, maybe the rain effect will help us, and we'll um, <laughs> and we'll so. uh, go on and and stay. Yeah, Somerset will stay in there and uh, bat all day tomorrow, and and that will all be. Um, our lower order and buy them. Let's hope, eh? Let's hope so. Annie, I want one answer, one word, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's going to win? Somerset. Of course, of course. <laughs> Annie, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll chat again next week to uh, on, on our last show scene to wrap up wrap up the Bowlers Trophy and, and, of course, the T20 Blast as well. Annie, thanks for coming on. Uh, great to speak to you. Cheers. Cheers Annie Chave there, the County Cricket Matters magazine editor. Great to chat to her and get her thoughts on the Bob Willis Trophy final. Of course, as it stands, Somerset 119 for four of 44 overs. Uh, Green with 24 at the top of things. Ben Green, Lamaby was out after a couple of magnificent hundreds already in the tournament for Nort. Abel, Somerset's probably strongest batsman with 19. Eddie Byram not out with 51. He is there with uh, Steve Davies, 13 not out. In between that, George Bartlett going for 12. With the wickets for Essex was Jamie Porter, with one Sam Cook got two Aaron Beard with one and Simon Harmer yet to strike although he's only been going at 1.6 uh, in the economy so as ever because we know how dangerous he is that continues tomorrow and the rest this week up next we'll be getting Lara's big question On Cambridge 105 Radio. Yes, yeah, bring Callum and Lara back into the conversation and get Lara's big question. The question that our, our guest comes on and uh, and delivers to both myself and Callum. We have a good old natter about it. Lara, what have what have you got for us? So I was thinking it's very topical at the moment. The hundred. It is. Um, I'm wondering what's your thoughts and answer to uh, the extent to which the hundred is actually transferable to cricket at a grassroots level in Cambridgeshire. So whether you think it's going to be the new thing that all kids are going to be playing, and if it's going to help in participation at all, so should that boys. yeah, so should the hundred format be played at a local level? Um, Callum, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think we've had arguments in the senior levels about you know introducing the T Twenty format into leagues league structures. Um, definitely feel like a, a junior level, the hundred ball could be utilised only because if you play midweek late evening cricket after schools and stuff like that I just feel like it might work better with the timing sometimes T20s are a bit too long it's say if you're starting a game at say 6 o'clock half 5 6 o'clock during the summer months it's then finishing 8 o'clock half 8 a T20 game sometimes if the we- bad weather's around it can sometimes get too dark so definitely feel like the 100 ball could potentially be utilised for junior cricket during the weeks yeah, yeah I seem to I think I agree as well. I mean, the reason I'm against the 100 at a domestic level, professional level, is because of the 
the year-on-year growth of the blast and the proof that's in the pudding there, the damaging effect that the 100 could have on the the 10 non-test match ground counties and, of course, the downgrading of the 50-over competition as well, the one in the same form that England have just won the World Cup in. Um, but I don't think I'm, I'm against it at a local level. I guess the time will tell. But like you said, Callum, kids' cricket, I don't see why not. If it's simple and they can understand it because, of course, we, we don't know if we can yet. If it's vibrant, it's fun, it attracts kids, you know, you get coloured kits, pink ball, all that sort of stuff and kids want to play it, then I, I I don't see why it shouldn't come in at kids' level. Laura, what are your thoughts? Why did you decide to pose the question? Um, I think it's a very interesting question in itself because the 100 has got a lot of critics and a lot of people who really praise it. Um, and I know, for example, when they introduced T20 cricket, there was a lot of arguments against that, and you can see now that it's very successful, as a, particularly in the junior setup, T20 is very successful. I agree with Callum that the 100, I think, will work better for juniors of an evening when the light gets too dark because we've definitely had the same issue of having to cut games short or play them very quickly from one end to try and get them in this season. Um, I think, personally, I don't like the 100 because of the way you bowl a different amount of balls. It seems a very different interpretation of cricket. But I think it will make it more interesting for the domestic level and international players and things like that. But cricket's already as confusing as it is. Like <laughs> you don't need to introduce another set of rules that makes it even more confusing. I think for juniors to get people into the sport, it's probably easier to just stick to the six-ball cricket. So, you, so you're happy with, with kids playing T, T20 cricket, I guess, as long as it's making it, it's attracting them to the game, keeping it vibrant, etc.? Completely. I think once you get to start saying that T20 cricket isn't working, getting people in and that the 100 would be more appealing, then maybe it's something to look into. But I just think it's going to confuse things for young kids trying to join the game and understand what cricket actually is. I think we had a debate, maybe was it last season's season preview, maybe, or, or review, I'm not sure anyway, about Harry Gurney's tweets and comments around the fact that all club cricket, uh, recreational adults and, and juniors, I think, should be T20 or the 100, we posed that question to our panel then. Callum, you were on that panel and said you don't think the 100 should be brought into senior level. I mean, you'd imagine it's probably going to be a tough gig getting a short format like T20 in the CAMS leagues. It's probably going to be even trickier getting the 100, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get too many people giving up their Saturdays to play a 100-ball <laughs> game, I can tell you that. Um, it's, and also, it's that we go back to the old thing of travelling... You know, you travel a certain distance to play one game of 100, uh, 100 balls each and uh, I'm just not sure people are going to be committed to doing that. Mm. I think when you localise it and, you you know, you travel distance in, you know, you travel distances around 15 minutes, 20 minutes each way, maybe you might get people that are more willing to do it. But I just feel like the higher up you go playing senior level cricket, I'm not sure people will be that committed to it. So one word answer from both of you, 100 at kids level, yes, no, maybe? <laughs> Yes, for kids level for me, yeah. Yeah, I think for juniors it will be yeah. interesting. <laughs> it, it will be interesting and it's a very interesting question. Lara Callum, thank you both very much for your time this evening. That's pretty much all we've uh, got time for. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for tuning in. It's been great to be back in the studio and uh, talking cricket, albeit with uh, a couple of shows left until the end of the season finally shuts down. Uh, up next on Cambridge 105 Radio is Tim Willett with the new music generator. That's from 7 until 9 o'clock tonight. Tim presents Cambridge 105 Radio's flagship show 
dedicated to local and unsigned music featuring an interview with singer-songwriter Ollie Bond. That'll be good because his name's Ollie. And the latest unsigned charts. It's Mighty Card Sports-wise over the next few days. Uh, on Saturday, I'm back in the chair for the Cambridgeshire Football Show looking ahead to the weekend's football action. That's from 1pm, the new time slot. And also another new time slot, Sunday, from the terraces with Tim and the team to round up all of the weekend's football action. They'll also preview the women's games which kick off Sunday afternoon. With regards to cricket, we'll be back for the last show of the, well, sort of summer, next week, Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Thank you very much for your company. Stay safe and well and have a good evening. Bye-bye.